Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello, and welcome, or should I say welcome back, to the Independent Football Podcast. It is Tuesday the... No, Wednesday the... No, it's Thursday. Sorry, Thursday the 2nd of May. (laughs) Uh, I am your interim host, Jack Pitbrook. Uh, Ed Malian is away. And today we are going to talk about the Champions League, which has been the dominant story of this week and, of course, of next week. I'm lucky enough to be joined today by, on my left, Jonathan Liu. Hi, Jack. And on my right, Sam Lovett. Hello, Jack. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. Um, it's been a pretty big week uh, of two standout games, both of which we've covered at the Indy. Uh, on Tuesday, Johnny and I were at the new Tottenham Stadium for the Ajax game. Uh, Johnny, what did you think? I thought Tottenham got really lucky. Um, it, it could have been all over, and the fact that they were outplayed, uh, I think, is outweighed by the fact that they could have, they could really have been totally out of the tie. And had I think Neres scored that, um, not hit the post in the second half, had um, Van der Beek put away that that chance or squared it in, in the first half you could have been looking at a, at a 3-0 or a 4-0 um, bringing back Son for the second leg is going to be a huge huge uh, return for them and given how this season's competition has gone with a lot of teams coming back away from home uh, they still go to Amsterdam with hope um, but I mean Ajax are so good aren't they they're so good yeah Ajax are amazing that, f- that first half was in terms of quality, I think it was almost as good as they played at their best against Real or Juve. They just didn't really put away the chances that they made. But in terms of in terms of like total dominance in an away game in the Champions League at, at such an important stage, to come out and play with that much confidence. Uh, and they didn't really let Spurs have the ball. It, and were it not for the fact that Vertonghen went off injured and Spurs got to bring on Sissoko, I'm not sure Spurs would have got near the ball. Yeah, the, the the tactics I think from Pochettino were, were all wrong at the start. His hand, I think, forced slightly by by the injuries, by essentially not having your two top scorers or uh, you know Harry Winks. And I, th- I think at the, the first fifteen minutes, when Tottenham basically had three central defenders, and they they had no idea who to mark because because I sort of play with a, a false Tadic in a false ninety sort of role, and they move around so quickly, they swap positions. They were kind of, they were kind of marking air, and. It did take the injury of Vertonghen and, and Tottenham going back to that four-two-three-one to kind of for them to re- regain any kind of foothold in the game. But to take um, what the point you initially raised about the idea of hope, I mean, it's kind of been the story of Tottenham's Champions League campaign, hasn't it? You know, they scraped their way through the um, through the group stages, and then you could say maybe got lucky against Manchester City, but you know they've got to this stage because they've got that self-belief that things will pan out for them. So I think. Having performed how they did at Tottenham um, at home and sort of held off Ajax, I think there is there could be that sense that they might be able to nick this one and make their way into the uh, into the final. The other thing to say is that it's it's entirely in keeping with Tottenham's Champions League campaign. Hmm. That was their eleventh game, and they've not led at half time once. Well, poor start. That. Poor starts have been 
like uh, an, an absolute feature. Of the, I think it, it's the fifth time they've conceded in the first 15 minutes or they've been behind in the first 15 minutes. And in a lot, even in a lot of the other games, I remember into Milan away, uh, Dortmund away, they got absolutely battered for 20, 25 exactly, minutes. Yeah. And then, you know, as against Barcelona away, as against uh, Inter Milan at home, uh, PSV, they sort of came good in the, in the second half. And I suppose that's that's the pattern that Pochettino's got to try and address, really. Why do they keep making such terrible stars? And, and you know, why are teams blowing them away so easily? Yeah, it, it's funny. I don't actually have an... I don't really have an answer to that because... You might say Champions League experience, but they have, you know, they've obviously got the experience. Yes. Um, but it's a funny sort of, it's rare that you see teams perform so much better in the second half than the first half. And you can actually pick holes in some of the team selections that Pochino's made from the start for these games, which he's then gone on to rectify. Now, you can mm. either say that's good management because he's fixed it, or it's bad management because mm. of the existence of the problem in the first place. Yeah. Well, like the, the kind of optimistic way of looking at it is that at the very least Tottenham now have a template like that was what um, Lucas Moura and Moussa Sissoko were saying in the mix zone afterwards was that we know you know we know how to turn these games around like they've been in like having to, having to win in Barcelona having to hold on at City away even I mean Dortmund yeah they had a 3-0 lead but they could easily have lost that game 3 or 4-0 given yeah. how the first half went and they didn't they won it 1-0 and like so, Johnny said the return of Son is going to be massive for them isn't he he was, I thought he was phenomenal against Manchester City. Um, so the, 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 the pace and intensity, was, he was running at the Man City defence, I thought was excellent. So Yeah, there were lots of moments in the second half where Tottenham got on a, had, had a little half opening, got on a break, and Lucas, who, who was quite good at spinning a man without falling over, he's got, he's got this incredibly sort of wide turning circle. Uh, so either, either he was kind of spinning himself into, into dead ends or... Uh, Lorente was, I don't know, like hitting his head against things or whatever it is he, <laughs> he does, and you just think that Son would have been so so good in those situations. Mm. That's sort of those are sort of the openings that Son usually makes mincemeat of because he can go left, he can go right, and he sort of he keeps defenders always slightly off balance. Yeah, and he only needs a tiny bit of space on the edge of the box to score. Mm. Like he's one of the. I don't think there are many any better finishes really than him in that kind of area, right on the fringe of the penalty area. Yeah, like 16 to, to 20 yards yeah. with, a, with a little opening. Yeah. He's actually been better than Kane in those positions this season. Yeah. And Kane is incredible in those positions. Is, is, do, do we think Kane has any chance of the second leg? Uh, no, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be really surprised. But yeah, well, I don't think that's necessarily such a bad thing because I think for all those reasons, I think Son could be more effective against Ajax. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, he's, he's certainly as potent a goal threat as Kane is these days yeah. and, just, as, and as Sam said it was Son's Son's two away goals at the Etihad Stadium that really turned that tie for Tottenham yeah. in the quarterfinals um, and there's no I think I, I, I'm not completely like down on Spurs' ability to go through in part also because it's like the first time Ajax have been under real pressure mm. it's the first time that Ajax have gone into a game thinking if we don't go through then we've bottled it like the Juve mm. and Real Madrid games were like basically free swings all four legs really yeah given that they were underdogs in all four games um and even spurs away the spurs away game just about fell into that bracket in the sense that it was nevertheless an away game against a, a nominal a nominally richer and stronger opponent yeah. and yet this is the first time that they know that they have to win and if they don't win then they're idiots yeah and what, that is a different type of pressure isn't it what do you think was behind the drop-off in, in the second half do you think it's maybe sort of the inexperience of youth or sort of the the occasion getting to them because know. there was definite 
Spurs got their act together, I suppose, mm. is, is one way of looking at it. But they did seem to sort of take yeah. the, the foot an, off the accelerator. That's true. And, but another way of looking at it is that Spurs Spurs didn't create anything. I think Ajax, I'd be interested to know, because I don't, I don't know, I would be interested to know how happy Ajax would have been with how the second half went. Yeah. Simply because they, yeah, Spurs had the ball and Spurs had the territory, but Spurs didn't really create any proper chances. There was like that older wheeled header that went over. Yeah. And that was basically it. And in fact, like Johnny said, Neres's chance on the break was the best chance of the second half. Yeah. And that would suggest to me that in fact, maybe Ajax uh, did willingly play a sort of deeper, more defensive style of football knowing that they were probably good enough to do it, and they got it right. Yeah, I mean, Eric Ten Hag, the um, the Ajax manager, uh, who the, the guy who's, who's basically you know succeeded his, his predecessor, Eric Nienhag, uh, don't, don't. That's really good. No, that's, that's, good. All, that's all right. Uh, he basically said that, he, um, that what happened from about 35 minutes on is Tottenham went a lot more direct, uh, and it caused them problems, and they didn't they didn't keep the ball well enough. They didn't use it well enough, and and they couldn't really get out. I think that's part of the issue. The other part of the issue is the press definitely seemed to drop off. And one of the uh, one of the Dutch journalists noted it in the press conference, but he didn't, he didn't really get an answer. But the the Irish press definitely dropped off. Where they did manage to to compensate for it was in like this incredible, incredibly well organised defensive effort. And yeah, Spurs didn't have the greatest of. Uh, they didn't have the surest of touch in the final third, but Ajax, to a large extent, I mean, the spacing between them, every time, so like Trippier or Ericsson puts in a little diagonal cross, there's always some, there was always someone in the right position to head it away, or, or pretty much all, all, all the time. And that, that was incredible, incredible maturity. And, and that's the incredible thing about Ajax. For a team that, that are, for the most part, really young, they play with a kind of mature. We, we, we think of uh, young players these days. We think of like you know Sancho's and and Usman Dembele's playing mm. a kind of PlayStation football. But this is like this was like really modern, like a hyper modern, like attacking football. In it, but but with a. I'm, I'm trying to explain this properly. The the whole point of like uh, the, the whole point of players like um, Sancho and Dembele for, for example, the, the players that we kind of associate with young players these days is to kind of avoid contact Ajax were really they, they almost seemed to relish it their their dueling was absolutely incredible they they they, they had seemed to manage to to get on the right side of of the Spurs attackers uh you know to get their body weight in just the right position and those are things that are incredibly hard I think for for young players to learn that that's the kind of thing that comes with you know five ten years mm. experience in the game and that was that was what was really impressive for me something somebody like Frankie de Jong who everybody talks about his uh, you know his passing range uh his defensively he was he was incredible like he was he was getting tackles in he, he was sort of anticipating the ball and he was he was sort of muscling players off the ball he was playing like a, he played like a 32 year old veteran who played like 100 Champions League games it is amazing to me that Matthias Delict is 19 years old 19 and, uh, and captaining my team, mind. <laughs> yeah captaining his team into a Champions League semis and will probably be playing the Champions League final uh, in a few weeks time when he will still be 19 like he doesn't turn 20 till August yeah uh, he's very, you know, he he is. This is not an interesting thing to say. He's very obviously like going to be the future of football for the next fifteen years. Yeah, like and the, and De Jong. Yeah, I can't really remember ever seeing a defender that good that young. Like even, um, Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, uh, Pique. Ferdinand. Um, yeah, P- I mean, even P- Pique was twenty-one, I think, when he left United, yeah. and obviously hadn't proved a huge amount by that stage. Uh, yeah, I'm struggling. 
Yeah, I've, <laughs> I yeah. can't think of one either. And 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 you know, De Jong possibly, De Jong and De Ligt possibly both playing against their future clubs in the final if they if they if they get there. Yeah, completely. I mean, I kind of hope that I hope that uh, whatever happens left in the Champions League, that Ajax don't fall apart yet because it would be you know it'd be interesting to see them have another season. I kind of hope that the better they do, the more reason that is to stick around for another year. Yeah, I hope that the players. Yeah, I hope the players don't feel there's any sense of like finished business. Maybe if they do win it, then the players will be more likely to leave. Isn't it two or three that sort of the current squad have said that they they're definitely leaving in the summer? Well, there's, a, there's a, at the moment there's only one who is definitely De Jong is definitely yeah. leaving, and there are there are people sniffing around like Zayek and people sniffing around Neres, and I think Delict and Delict will probably go. I think, but it just makes you think: is this the, their one window of opportunity? As this, this as this collective unit now, mm. um, to sort of to push for yeah. Champions League success. Part of me thinks that that it is. You know, this is the only opportunity they're going to get before sort of the bigger clubs come in and start cherry picking all their mm. best players. Um, yeah. So like Monaco 2017, obviously after they you know basically not a good team, but not actually as good as Ajax, they lost the semi-finals to Juventus and then. Mendy and Bernardo Silva went to City and Kylian Mbappe went to PSG. Yeah, and F- Fabinho. Um, Fabinho? Yeah, Fabinho went to Liverpool. God, I don't even know. Is that the following? Oh, uh, following yeah, summer. following window. Yeah, following summer. Um, yeah, but I think we all, you know, we, we, we are all on this podcast, big fans of Ajax and uh, looking forward to seeing how, the, how they get on. Um, second semi-final, none of us were there, uh, but did either of you watch it, Sam? Yes, we. I was, I was on the desk that night, um, last night. So uh, was watching it. Um, had an eye on it for most for most of the year. Uh, what was the score? Three 0 Three 0 to to Barca. <laughs> to yeah, to Barcelona. Um, it good, was good uh, side it, Barca. It was it was a good match. I th- I thought Liverpool could have come away with a little bit more. Maybe a goal would have been a more accurate representation of, of how they played and the performance they put in. Um, but I mean, it all just comes down to that man Messi, doesn't it? Pops up with in the last fifteen minutes, at one particular moment of magic, which. Just kind of just shows you he's light years ahead, isn't he, of the field, and that's what made the difference on the on the, on the evening. Yeah, I feel like the consensus on this is that Liverpool Liverpool were pretty good. Like, I, so I was watching it in a pub as well, uh, and you know they were they were obviously incredibly competitive all the way through. They had lots of chances. Uh, they seemed, and for so much the, for so much the second half, right up until the second goal, it felt you know what one nil is pretty good. Like yeah. one nil, they can take that back to Anfield, mm. and even. But, so you know, Klopp said afterwards they couldn't play any better. I was reading Miguel Delaney's report on this earlier, which is really, really good, like all of his reports on these biggest games. And he said, you know, Liverpool didn't deserve they didn't deserve this result, and there's no shame in it. But that ultimately is the nature of the Champions League. Like, yeah. um, who deserves to play Messi? Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it kind of doesn't. Yeah. Dessert shouldn't really come into it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but they, so I kind of, I guess I kind of feel bad for them in a sense, right? Yeah. Because they like, what more can you do? I did. I mean, I did. Uh, I, mean, I did watch the first half in the pub before I went off to play five sides, um, and so, and I, I caught up with it with it afterwards. Uh, one thing that that struck me was just how amazing the quality of the football was. Yeah. It's like you've probably got, I don't know. I do, do a quick bit of math. Twenty-two of like the 80 best footballers in the world mm. or some, something like that uh, or, or certainly a high proportion of like the, the top 50 footballers in the world on the same pitch and like the standard of it was incredible and I suppose when you've got players of that calibre uh, 
you can get you know it, it could be it could have been three 0 either way to be honest. Yeah. <clears throat> Salah had this incredible run in the first half, and people in in the pub were getting up on their feet. Not Liverpool fans. Uh, you know, Mason might get getting up on their feet, going, "Go on, Mo, go on, Mo." And if he puts one of those chances away, if he he hits the post, is it the post or the bar? Later yeah, that was on? in the last post, yeah. couple of minutes. They had so many openings. I mean, there were maybe like twelve or fifty, like you know, based on watching watching the highlights of the second half, decent or half openings for goals. And frankly, it could be it could have been like any, you could it could be any scoreline either way. And and I think that's kind of what gives Liverpool a little bit of hope in the in the second yeah. leg. Yeah, they um, can definitely take comfort from the way that they took the game. To Barcelona for large stints of the match, um, and you look at sort of last season with uh, Roma, Roma and Barcelona. Yeah, that was a, th- a three three goal deficit that they. Yeah, that they, you can, um, three so, goal turnarounds can happen. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, you know Roma, Liverpool, the semi final, like a really a really high scoring semi final. Another of those sort of knockabout mm-hmm. games where you can get you know you can pick to pick up two or three goals out of nothing. Yeah. It's a sh- I mean, with, with all due respect to you two, it's a shame that we don't have the world's number one Champions League expert here. Because yes. he, because he, uh, I was going to say, like, I can't remember the last, I can't remember seeing a semi final first leg that was that open and of such high quality. Like, yeah. It's very rare that you get. Miguel something. will, will and have. And he would say, no, 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 actually, it's a little bit like the one in 2003 or the one in 2012. Yeah. It's or, a little bit like, um, I, I won't, I won't do the accent. That's yeah. a little bit like, uh, you know, Deportivo La Coruña against, against, you know, PSG in 2001. He's got, he's got an incredible sort of library of, of Champions but, League games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it does seem to be a trend, right? It, like Liverpool, Liverpool, City last year. Maybe maybe Liverpool is the kind of yeah. the common factor through all this. But also City, uh, Monaco, or, or yeah, it's something Miguel has written about a lot. Is like the increasing number of goals per game in the Champions League and how the you know we have completely moved beyond the shit on a stick era mm. and now basically to win the Champions League you have to you know you have to attack. But yeah. it's rare. That, even then, it's still rare that you see two teams as good at attacking as the two that we saw last night and certainly an away team who goes out to try who goes all out for an away goal like those kind of games in part they're a bit of a um of a vindication of the away goals rule because you get the away the away team pushing so hard and coming so close to scoring and then obviously in fact Liverpool didn't manage to get the goal and that yeah. was what so upset Klopp afterwards like I remember I watched his press conference and he was saying you know, if it had only been three one, basically, like mm. three, like the difference between three one and three nil is absolutely huge. Yeah, there was an argument reasons. that playing the second leg at home is no longer an advantage, uh, right? Because yeah, you yeah. have that, you have that quantum of doom. That well, first of all, it's not an advantage because you have you potentially are playing one hundred and twenty minutes. So the away team has one hundred and twenty minutes to get yeah. the away goal. Which uh, I mean, there's, there's a very long debate to be had about the, the away goal goals rule but these days especially when like Liverpool will, will go into the, the game knowing that if Barca score one and Barca are very good at scoring one uh, as a rule uh, often more uh, they, they've got to score five and uh, even though you wouldn't you wouldn't put it past them just you kind of would well, the hope yeah. is it doesn't happen early on well week, yeah exactly because then that's sort of all. if they get to 60 minutes or 80 minutes and it's 2-0 like fireworks, absolute scenes. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, it makes you th- I'm just thinking back to the City Tottenham game. I think Tottenham were, you know, Tottenham were helped out by the fact they had the the away leg second. Yeah, because it meant that, you know obviously they got those two away goals early on, and then they killed City with the Urente hip goal at the end. Had it been the other way around, 
you think City would have maybe tried to rack up a score in the first game, which they might, they probably would have been able to do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, City can put the pressure on on with away goals in the second leg. So I do think that is, yeah, I do think that is now a thing. But it is interesting. I mean, it, it does certainly make the games more exciting. Um, given given the likelihood of Barcelona going through, and given the nature of the of the other tie, Tottenham and Ajax, do you think that that messy goal? that free kick was effectively the goal that won the Champions League? That's a good question. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's probably the goal that has won the Champions League. At this stage, the goal that has won the Champions League more than any other goal in this season's Champions League has won the Champions League. Right, yeah. It was, you know, the it was the, the free kick that you would score in your dreams if your dreams were made of free kicks. Um, it was, <laughs> it was yeah. because of the, the timing of it, and because of the geometric precision of it, it could clip Gomez's head, but it doesn't. He just gets his head out of the way. Yeah. There's something really perfect about that goal. And I, th- I think even though it is just one goal, moments like that have do have an aesthetics like that do have an effect on the wider sentiment, I suppose, around, around the tie, around the team, around the competition. Uh, it's no secret that Barcelona have been prioritising the Champions League this season and uh, Messi has been imposing upon you know his teammates and the, the club hierarchy that this, this is the prize he wants above all others this season. And moments like that, it's almost impossible not to think that there's a kind of sense of predestination to it. We're all susceptible to narratives like totally, that. Totally, yeah. And yeah, I mean, if, if, if they'd gone to Anfield 2-0 up, it's it's very it's a very different game, uh, yeah. yeah uh, as much as the first leg goal can can be decisive. Yeah, Miguel. It's something Miguel's written on a lot, isn't it? This season has been Messi's desperation yeah. for his extra trophy because he's only won it. He's only won the trophy three times. How do you find out this information? I like you. You like you. You read Miguel piece, and it's like, oh yeah. Well, in the Barcelona dressing room afterwards, like uh, you know, sources in the dressing room. Like, well, it's sources in the dressing room. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. He's just a sponge, isn't he? He just retains yeah. all this information. Yeah. You see him in a game, and he's got like um, sort of seven different WhatsApps open, and like four Facebook, and, and he's he's like he's just talking to people, and he's just like soaking up all this information on the game from all these people around the yeah. world, like who are also like really learned football yeah. people who are watching it. It's incredible to watch. What's Spanish for? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, this is a, this is a, this is an in joke, uh, and, and in jokes I know go go well on on podcasts, uh, but we'll leave you to figure that one out for yourselves. Yeah. Um, I think, and also Messi is the amazing thing about Messi. I mean, maybe this isn't amazing. Maybe this is normal. Is how loved he is. Like, but I mean, I was everyone in the pub. I mean, there were some Liverpool fans in the pub was in yesterday, but everybody was absolutely delighted for him. There is no sense of like villainy at all to Messi, mm. or um, or like resentment or anything. He, they, I can't because I don't really follow other sports as closely, but I can't think of anyone who has enjoys such kind of non-partisan, like unanimous love as, just, a, as, a, just, as a top athlete. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, obviously, you know, I don't know him personally, but <laughs> the, the way... There's none of Miguel that, does. <laughs> well, yeah, through all his sources. Um, but there's none of that swagger, I, I feel, that you get with other sort of elite footballers, I suppose. You know, Ronaldo might spring to mind, but he seems a lot more... He's just far more meek, isn't he? And... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's very little. We we live in a culture. Where, we live in a culture of <laughs> of many of many opinions. Um, we live in a culture where people are 
are really keen to, to to drag people off their perch, yeah, to drag yeah, others yeah. off their perch. If they've if there's something you know bad that they've done, or if there's some blemish against their character, then that is what defines them. Right. Yeah. With Messi, there's really like shockingly little to go on. And I, I remember com- coming home uh, last night, and my wife, you know, saying like, "What was, what was the Barcelona score? I said it was three 0 Messi did something amazing," and she just goes like, "Tax avoider. She pays taxes." I was, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, that, if there's one mark against his name, you know, maybe the, the, the whole tax affair could be something you could point to. Or yeah, and, I, I'm, and I'm saying to her, like, it's it's really clear. Like, obviously, he got you know he got convicted of something in a, in a mm. Spanish court. Do you think like, you don't think Messi, if you put an I three forty form in front of Messi, he'd have, he'd have the faintest idea what to do with it. Or, or, or anyway, I suppose I suppose we're getting off, off topic here. But yes, I think Messi is one. There's a purity to him. Yeah, which, I think it's yeah, I think it, it's also. I think it's linked to the fact that he doesn't he doesn't care about anything other than other than the sport. There's an amazing Brian Phillips piece uh, that he wrote for Grantland on the 10th anniversary of his Barcelona debut. So this would have been 2015, I guess, or something like that. 2014, 2015, and the headline is the title of the piece is "The Ball Is the End." Right. Oh yeah, that's a great piece. It's that's an amazing a great piece. piece. It's like so many people play football for for money. For glory, for success, for ego. Uh, some for, for some like it's in the the feeling of of just having beaten somebody else. But for Messi, it's it's literally it's literally just the sensation of having a ball at your feet. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that was a really that was a really well put way of explaining yeah. why it is we we love Messi so much. I think that basically represents a line that you can draw with Messi on one side, and then with like on the other side, Ronaldo. Uh, I don't know. Tiger Woods, Maradona, Maradona, Maradona. Always like he, he always used to talk about you know va- vaccinating an opponent. Like I vaccinated him, yeah. uh, like or he's he was driven by by resentment, like the bronca as he right, used to yeah. call it, like the the anger that fueled him. I'm uh, going to humiliate you. Whereas yeah. with Messi, it's not like I mean he might humiliate you, but that's not the point. Hmm. He just wants to have fun. Yeah, and like when he when he gets fouled, it's not like. I, I know he did kind of weigh the card last night, yeah, but, but you know, but normally it's it's the outrage. Like I really wanted to carry on running. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I was having a great time. And yeah, you've like killed my buzz, man. In what I'm trying to think of other people who have that like f- sole focus on the enjoyment of the game. Matthew Flamini. Matthew, like honestly, Matthew Flamini looks like he's having more fun than anybody else on a football pitch at all times. Or did? Who can you think of? Someone. What about Federer? Yeah, Federer. Yeah, he's the only one. The one. I mean, I don't. I mean, you know more about other sports than I do. Federer is the only one who jumps to my mind. Or maybe, what about people from cricket? Like cricketers who only care about the cricket that they're playing and Uh, nothing else. The enjoyment of the cricket. What about someone like Sachin Tendulkar? See, I think think for Tendulkar, it was always tied up in in something a little bit more complex. I think for Tendulkar, cricket was as much a matter of honour as it was. I, d- I don't know. I'd, need, I'd probably need to develop these thoughts a little more. The, 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 the parallel I would, I would draw probably is Lara, who right. I think turned 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He turned 50. Happy, um, if you're listening, Brian, if you're listening, happy birthday. <laughs> have a great day. You deserve it, mate. Hope, hope the sound's all right. Um, if it's you leaving the comments about the sound, uh, we, we, we've sorted it out, yeah. hopefully. We've got, we've, we've got people in. We've got people on course. We're on it. We're going to yeah, make it yeah. better. No worries, Brian. Um, yeah. Big so, fan of your work. Big fan of your work. Um, yeah, something, something like that who just oozes. Oh, you know, you know who I... Uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan. 
Right, that's such a good answer. That's such a good answer. Bloody loves snooker. And yeah. he, he loves snooker so much that he plays it even though he actually hates snooker. That's how much he loves snooker. He hates everything around snooker. He hates the travelling. He hates the other players. He hates like the having to stay in crappy hotels in places like Prestatin. But he just loves snooker and he can't keep away from it. So even though he basically retires every year, he, he, just, he loves the feeling of the balls, man. Oh God! Oh God! No, 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 no. <laughs> no, don't, 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 don't worry. It's fine. The, the great thing about podcasts is that, like ninety-nine times out of a hundred, pe- you have like good faith listeners, and that means that you can make you, you know, you can say things like that, and people will be like, "Oh, cool!" Like I know what he was getting at. Whereas, and that means that you can say things on podcasts that people don't pull you up on and be like, "Ah, oh, I can't believe you you said that. That's terrible." Yeah, Whereas, yeah. of course, like in the written word. Uh, there are li- there are literally millions of people on the internet who read articles with the hope of finding something to not like, which they can then complain about. Whereas yeah, pod- like podcast easy. listeners have a good faith, so um, you can't screenshot a podcast. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Please don't. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, back yeah. to back to like the sort of boring day to day of football. Uh, Saturday, two days time, Newcastle United against Liverpool. Um, it's now it's a huge game, and Liverpool are going to go into it with their like in the knowledge that they this incredible season, which fairly recently has looked like it was heading for an unprecedented double, or not not unprecedented double, but an amazing double. It's now kind of had a hanging by a thread. Mm. Um, how do you, like, what do you expect to see from Liverpool at St James's Park, Sam? So I was at Newcastle Leicester three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and uh, the thing that struck me about Newcastle was how Benitez got his tactics spot on. But we, like Leicester, were completely Benitez. Um, yeah. They had 11 men behind behind the ball, you know, so whenever, whenever we were in possession. Um, and I feel that the same thing is going to happen on Saturday night, Saturday, Saturday evening. Night. Um, they're going to be very difficult to to break down Newcastle. Um, they're going to sort of do their best to frustrate Liverpool. So I think it could be a sense of just sort of holding out, waiting for the opportunity to arise, uh, sort of as Liverpool did in those games two, three weeks ago, sort of when they got the win in the last 20, 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it will be a frustrating night, one that will probably sort of induce a lot of tension and anxiety for Liverpool fans but my not my hope but my sense is that maybe it could be yeah a, sort of a, a late a late goal that might settle it for, for Liverpool it's, it's weird how you never see a, um, a Rafa Benitez team like properly down tools I mean I, yeah. even, at, even at Real Madrid I think didn't, didn't he get sacked off like a 7-0 win or something or a 5-0 win I can't remember uh, but he, and even when he got relegated with Newcastle there was never the sense that 
they weren't playing for him yeah. and which which kind of indicates that he must be quite good at what he what he does in terms oh, yeah, of yeah, yeah. getting players to play for him getting uh you know 11 or 14 or, or 18 uh quite talented players like reasonably talented players to run their run their socks off as it were the proverbial socks um off their proverbial feet in 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 order to to fulfill his tactical vision yeah and you can you can definitely see yeah we kind of know how Newcastle Liverpool is going to play out and you know tactically speaking and it, it, if it comes down to Liverpool trying to break down Newcastle Newcastle do have a, a, a lot of pace on the break that you know and uh, you know that, that could hurt Liverpool um, so I think Benitez will be is kind of not uniquely but like particularly will be particularly adept at probing any you know, lingering weaknesses or or kind of malaise that that, mm. um, that Liverpool have after after that game on Wednesday. Yeah, I think there's an interesting dilemma from Klopp's perspective, which is how many of his eggs does he put in this basket, right? Because they've got they've got two of the biggest games ever coming up on Saturday night and Wednesday night. No, yeah. Saturday night and Tuesday night even. So, so like often, yeah, like managers get asked about this kind of stuff all the time, yeah. right? And you know it's always a stock answer. Like we focus one game at a time, yeah. whether it's Guardiola or Klopp or Pochettino or whoever. We focus just on this game, and then the next game takes care of itself. Do do we not believe that? No, that can't be true. The way that like if you think 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 about how much how much time managers put into the me- the measuring and monitoring of the fitness of their players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every single day in training, if you play for a top team, you've got your GPS kit on, and sports bra. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> it's all being put into the sports science computers. And after the training sessions, the man like Pochino and Jesus Perez will look at the data and they'll say, "Oh, ten sprints from Danny Rose today," uh, or you know, high intensity work from Harry Wings, that kind yeah. of thing. And so he wasn't even here. Yeah, so they, they they'll know like how fit the players are all the time, and they will. And I know if you look at the way they rotate players. It will always be with a view to, you know, not everyone playing 100% of the minutes across any given kind of two, three-week cycle. Hmm. And that means it's kind of implausible that they will go into every selection with this, like, effective blindness to right. what might be coming down the line. Like, that just can't be true. It can't be true that they're not thinking two steps ahead. Is that why you think uh, Sissoko didn't start on Tuesday? Maybe, yeah, because, like, you don't want to risk, you don't want to risk playing some, yeah. Because they, like Spurs, have have to to win. I mean, I, I, I think they still have to, to get three or four points. I, I think, think three to, points would be enough. If to, they win in Bright, if they win at Bournemouth on Saturday, they will effectively be be there. Right. Right. Um, but and, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like man, all the time, managers managers don't play players who managers make decisions with half an eye on the next game, and yeah. so it's kind of implausible to me that Jurgen Klopp would go in with only focus on Saturday and not caring about Tuesday. Yeah, um, and that. But what the the question is, is the three 0 so bad that he will say, actually, you know what, we're going to go all in on Saturday, and then, you know, knowing knowing that it will decrease our already slim chances for Tuesday, because that that's the issue. But I don't know what. I mean, that's a question. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I just, I, just taking too much of risk on sort of Man City and, and sort of, you know their their clash with Leicester on Monday night, isn't it? Well, they could they could you know they could absolutely. They could, but I guess, let's, I guess the logic would be something like we've got a 10, let's say from now, we've got a 10% chance of, we've got, let's say Liverpool have got a sort of 20% chance of going through in the Champions League, but a 10% chance of going through in the Premier League. 
Now, that means that they might as well... No, sorry, I've got it the wrong way around. If they think their chances of... If they, if they think their chances in the Premier League are so small... Sorry, I've got this wrong again. If, <laughs> if they think their chances in the Champions League are now so small, if they think there's no way they'll be able to win 3 or 4-0 hmm. against Barcelona in the second leg, then they might as well think, well, you know what? We're going to go all in on Newcastle. That That's the logic that I'm thinking about. Yeah. I, all in on Newcastle. I just don't. I just don't think he... I just don't think Klopp thinks like that. Maybe maybe, maybe he does, but... But don't I, they all think like that? I honestly don't think so. I think like when you're in that job, it's such... You're, you're so single-mindedly, obsessively focused on the next game that I, I, I really like... I really think it's it's possible that... You know, obviously he's got... He'll, he knows that there's another game coming in three days' time, and he can put out an extremely strong side. Yeah. Uh, you know, based on, you know, and still, you know, rests half a dozen players. Like I suppose, like Alexander Arnold, we would assume comes straight back in. Uh, maybe Lovren comes in if, if Firmino is fit. If is is Cater? Cater went off, right? Cater went yeah. off in the first half yesterday. Yeah. If Kate, you know, not but, sure what the injuries. Yeah. Yeah. You know Henderson, I, I assume plays maybe uh, Origi and and Shakiri. They can put out a pretty strong side. I, I, I don't I don't think that that comes into it when you're deciding whether or not to to flog your knackered players for the the, th- the second time in three days. Mm. So we're going for what Liverpool win? Oh, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at this game. Oh, uh, wow. because Have you been to St James's Park this season? Not this season. No, uh, I've only been like two or three times in the, before. Um, I think, I mean, Liverpool have had a lot of potential bananas. Both Liverpool and City have, and they've, they've sort of come through all of them. And I think it's it's not inconceivable that they, they just both keep winning. I think Liverpool will win. Yeah, I think it'll be close, close win. Just about. Just I just, I'm one. not putting any money on it. And then you expect City to beat Leicester on Monday? Yeah, it's just it's Leicester. And they're, 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 yeah. like, Lads, it's Leicester. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about Leicester. It's Leicester. It's, it's at home. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think there's a, a team left that can that can touch City or Liverpool, mm. and one, there hasn't been all season. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that you don't have trouble with is beating te- beating teams at home who are not as good as them who come out to attack. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a, if there's one thing that you can put your money on City being good at. It's that. To Leicester's credit, you know, obviously. Oh gosh, sorry. I am obviously a little bit biased here, but when Leicester played their best football it's been against those attacking minded teams who have sort of taken the game to Leicester and then they've um, I think against Arsenal for the Newcastle example you know that was when Leicester were exposed they, they didn't know what to do with the ball um, it's when sort of teams are coming at them that they do play some of their best football and get in behind and sort of have, have had good results uh, against these sides sort of the, the Boxing Day result against City was testament to that so I wouldn't completely write them off but I mean, you yeah. guys are. I mean, right. Vardy. Vardy seems to be scoring again, uh, and they've they've got you know that, that yeah, with Tillemans and Madison. Yeah, the, the, the Belgian playmaker in, in the you know they seem to have built a lot of play around him. It really is, I suppose, a, a team for the Tillemans. It's a Cat Stevens song. It's not even. <laughs> it's not even that good a joke. Wow. It's. You ever watch Extras? It was like the song at the end of Extras. Uh, mm-hmm. not really. I kind of. No, not really. T for the Tillerman, stick for the sun. My dad's a Kate Stevens fan. He'll probably know. I kind of. My dad is listening now. That's actually yeah. That actually works. The funny thing, sorry, this is this this isn't going to work at all to listeners. I saw, I saw like the click in your head. 
about 10 <laughs> seconds before. And it's basically like the equivalent of, it's like the high back lift. And you think, wow, he's going to try and hit this one down the Off down the, the ground. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and so I was interested to see where it ended up. And I didn't get it. But now that you've explained it to me, I actually kind of respect it as a joke. Yeah. I, th- I don't think a joke, on the whole, I don't think a joke works if you have to sing a song for people to get it. No, or uh, and then explain it yeah, as well, yeah. or, or refer to extras. Right, yeah. But I, I mean, this has to be the end of the podcast. There's no way we can come back from this. But um, thank you very much for listening. Um, w- please keep your eyes on independent.co.uk forward slash football over the next few days. We've got lots of good coverage. Hey, whoa, whoa, up. whoa! Independent.co forward slash sport. Oh, like, sorry, so yeah, forward slash sport. Like, sorry. Like for, furring your own nest, furnishing your own nest. I've got, I've got to write about like thirty-five yeah. different sports out there. What? Sorry, what I mean, uh, what's happening in other sports? Oh, England, Joffre, Joffre Archer's England debut. Oh, uh, Joffre Archer's England debut. Would now We've be a good time the, to talk about the Joffre Archer selection controversy? No, probably not. Uh, no, no, I mean, it's pretty much. Uh, over. It's all on Twitter, guys. It's, if it, you're interested, it's all on Twitter. Yeah. Um, we've got the the, the the Crucible snooker, like yeah. the lad, the lad Gary Jack Wilson. Trump. I've been telling everyone. We're telling yeah. everyone that would listen. Uh, the 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 lad Gary Wilson is going to cause a bit of a a bit of a stir, and by everyone I mean I mean one person who after is, he won his first round game. So what stage is the snooker at the moment? Uh, the semis. So uh, I think Trump is. Well, I, I haven't I haven't seen what's happened today, but Trump was up on Maguire, and Wilson is already in the semis. Somebody else is already in the semis. I don't know. Cool. I don't know, but well, yeah. I mean, if, if you want, but to yeah, know, independent, independent, find independent, out on yeah, yeah, sport. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, lots of our. Please read all our coverage of Newcastle, Liverpool, Manchester City, Leicester, both semi-finals next week. The Europa League, which you haven't even mentioned, the Catasmania decision, Catasmania decision, uh, and we will be back in your ears. Tour de Yorkshire, Tour de Yorkshire, uh, baseball season, baseball season, yeah. rugby, European Cup finals. That happened yet? I don't know yeah. which rugby. Union. Union. Um, yeah, we will be back in your ears next Thursday to look back on our bad predictions. Thank you very much. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.